Welcome to Ahead in the Cloud, where business leaders share what they've learned on their cloud journey. I'm Chad Watt, Emphasis Knowledge Institute researcher and writer. I'm here today with Shankar Trivedi, Senior Vice President of Enterprise Business with NVIDIA. Shankar's job is to take NVIDIA's accelerated computer platform and know-how to big businesses of all technology proficiencies. Welcome, Shankar. Hi, Chad. Nice to talk to you. NVIDIA makes this bold statement that AI is the greatest technology force of our time. Um, briefly, tell me why you guys make that assertion. Yeah, I mean, if you think about what AI is, it's basically the ability of a machine, a computing stack, if you will, to, to look at and understand complex data, large amounts of complex data, and make decisions which are uh, quite difficult decisions. And so when you think about that, you know, in terms of um, um, the ability to do things that you couldn't do before, it is truly transformational, right? It, it basically means that you can embed it in every single business process, in every single consumer service. And, um, you know, the machine uh, will be, does things better than a human being can. You know, the machine can look at images, videos, it can understand, you know, text, it can speak to you, it can look at medical images, and all of these things can be done better than a human being, or at least as good as, you know, um, the most intelligent human being. So that's really transformational, and, 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 and it's, it's going to affect all of us. So now we mentioned the GPU. This all starts with the GPU, and that's NVIDIA's heritage, as we discussed. It's a hardware component. Do you consider NVIDIA to be a hardware company or more of a platform business today? Yeah. So we make the world's best hardware, the GPU, the DPU, and now the, the CPU and systems and racks and data centers, but we are not a hardware company. We're not even a soft, just a software company. We're a computing company. And most important of all, we're a platform company. A platform company starts with developers and outreaching to developers. We are the only AI computing company that works with all of the other AI companies. And that has a very wide base of developers and ISVs that are supporting the platform. You have a you know, rich set of application software for AI that's been developed within NVIDIA. How do you collect that catalog that the power users, the developers have put together and make it accessible to people who are less proficient with technologies, people who aren't power users, people who are just new to AI? Yeah. So what we do is we take all of our body of software work. Um, we, know we have more than 400 SDK software development kits, and we make it available um, in, a, in a very public forum called developer.nvidia.com to every single developer uh, at no cost. Right? So that's the first step. And then uh, we encourage all of the developers to publish all their work. And so we have, you know, um, hackathons and, and, you know, workshops and training classes everywhere around the world. And all of this body comes together in, in something which is the world's biggest developer conference called GTC. And so that's the foundational work. Now what happens is um, that um, the, you know, people need to say, okay, so this is good. Now I, I you know, I need to get started on, on um, my own project. So we we make it easy for people to then consume this software 
many years ago, we actually put all of this body in a cloud-native way. So you could just run it on any, any single cloud, cloud provider uh, for free. Uh, and we call that body of work the NVIDIA GPU Cloud, NGC. And so today on NGC, we have hundreds of software containers. We have uh, trained models. We have model training scripts. We have uh, workflows. We have Helm charts, all of which are designed to make it easy for, you know, a, a, a reasonably well-educated um, engineer to put together uh, a full AI workflow. And then, you know, for our enterprise customers who tend to have, you know, need somebody to help them, we have created uh, two pieces of software. One is called NVIDIA AI Enterprise and one is called NVIDIA Omniverse Enterprise, which make it easy for customers to buy fully supported software, including previous versions and so on, with a proper enterprise levels of support for those customers. Could you do this without cloud? Uh, you could, and you know, uh, we we uh, by the the beauty of saying your software is cloud native is you can run it everywhere. You can run it in the public cloud. You can run it on a private cloud. You can run it on your own computer. You can run it on your PC. You can even run it in our case on a device. So we are, you know, embedded in many, many devices, um, you know, out in, 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 you know, hospitals and in warehouses and other sort of, you know, factories and so on. So it doesn't require the cloud, but it is helpful if it's cloud native. So being cloud native gives you that uh, versatility, but then you could put it in some sort of edge AI solution where it can stand on its own um, in a warehouse in a, in a hinterland and uh, be self-sufficient. Or you can uh, use it in some sort of uh, kind of universal cloud setup in a public cloud, uh, wherever you like then. Correct. NVIDIA, you talk about turning data centers into AI factories. Uh, is a probably a pithier way to say it than what I said. How do you turn a data center into an AI factory? Yeah, so, so the first thing is um, uh, this notion of a factory, right? That's quite important. Uh, what a factory does is it, it takes raw materials, uses some machinery and some processes to create finished goods. That's what a factory does. So an AI factory in the same way will take the raw material, which is data, and then the machines are software robots, right? Think of these as software robots. They're machines that, that you know, work on the data, right, in some sort of way. And the finished product is some sort of intelligence, a more intelligent process, uh, you know, a, a new way of doing things, a better way of doing something. So it's, it's, it's and, and here's the interesting thing. As the world changes, right, as the data changes, the factory has to operate continuously in order to keep the intelligence current. It's just like if we, if, if, if we as human beings are not, you know, lifelong learners, we get stale and rusty and ultimately irrelevant. In the same way, an AI factory has to kept, be kept current and relevant. And then, of course, all of these software robots sit on some kind of large, powerful data center computing stack. And so we call that uh, an NVIDIA SuperPod or an NVIDIA SuperCloud, depending on whether it's on-prem or on the cloud. Shankar, what sort of companies should be pursuing AI? Yeah, so, I mean, I think the, the, the answer is every single company should pursue AI. But the most important thing is to work on the projects which are going to deliver the most amount of return on investment. How do you govern that? 
So, well, I, let me, before I talk about governance, because governance happens only after you do something, let's first talk about what does a good ROI mean? You know, I, the other day I was with an industrial automation company and we we're discussing where they should focus their energy on. And there people said, oh, you know, look, we're going to do this HR recruitment project and use AI to screen all the resumes. It's a really powerful project. I said, what's going to be your ROI on this? You know, how many recruiters, how many recruits do you have? Add up the total number of recruits. You know, the best you're going to save is the, the entire cost of recruitment, right? And, and it amounts to maybe, you know, uh, $1 million. And, and, and they're an industrial automation company. They have large capital assets. The best ROI for them is the throughput of their asset. Imagine if you own a, a power generation system. You should use AI to improve the throughput of the power generator. That's what's going to give you the most amount of, a, of, of, of return on investment. So it's super important to choose projects that are going to move the needle. Then people say, hey, Shankar, but you know, uh, what if it fails? I said, well, if it fails, at least you'll have learned something that's going to be of value to your, to your core business instead of something that was va of value to, you know, um, an, a non-core part of your business. So it's super important to choose the right project with the right ROI. I don't know if you know this, but in our data and AI radar project that I just finished up, the single best functioning use case was using AI for predictive maintenance on, you know, very large, heavy assets like wind turbines and jet engines, that sort of thing. It, it was a very, very business focused, you know, capital intensive asset. And that's where it was working really well. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, Siemens Energy has, has built a digital twin of their heat generation, um, heat reduction steam generator. It's fully, you know, and they can in, in detail predict exactly when to bring the machine down where exactly the, the maintenance crews are going to work on, reduce the uh, amount of maintenance time, and thereby maximize the amount of productive time. That's a massive ROI. Right. And that's very clear and concrete. This is not AI that's, uh, this is not AI that's hard to discern. This is very clear, um, clear, very useful, very useful. Another, another area, by the way, is many, you know, the hyperscalers, the big, big consumer internet companies, everyone thinks, oh, you know, AI is for them. And of course it is, and they think it's because they have these vast amounts of data and therefore they can apply these fancy models and they have computing power. Now, here's the most interesting thing that I'm finding with our enterprise customers. The amount of data is not as important. You know, knowing your data is super important. Uh, having good data scientists is super important. And, and you know, when, when I uh, speak to them, the problem of diversity of data and removal of bias and, and the accuracy of the model can be fixed by synthetic data generation. This is a new domain within uh, AI where the computer will produce the data. And the beauty of the computer producing the data is that by definition, it can be unbiased. And by definition, it can go into corner cases. We've learned a lot when doing our own self-driving car, but of the value of synthetic data generation. Got it. Tell me, let's back up real quick. Tell me why is uh, NVIDIA making your own self-driving car? So, you know, um, uh, we want to obviously, so if you think about one of the main uses of, of AI is autonomous vehicles. And if you want to be a platform, you need to make a, you know, you need to go understand it end to end. 
you can't have a platform for autonomous vehicles or, or autonomous robots if you don't build your own vehicle and your own robot. Right? That's the starting point. You know, we're engineers. Uh, gensu, gembutsu. You know, you've got to see what actually happens. We don't want people just, you know, talking theoretical stuff on a PowerPoint. So we built a, a, a but we, we're out of the business of producing like a huge fleet of cars. We don't need a thousand cars. Because we're a simulation company, we realize that we can just have a relatively few number of cars, but based on having this, we can actually then artificially generate a huge body of uh, synthetic data and use that data to train the engine of the car. You can have a small fleet of cars and then simulate, create synthetic data to make that small fleet look like a large fleet across. Look like a very large fleet of cars. You know, this is our gaming heritage as well, right? So notice, you know, in, in, in gaming, we create artificial worlds and then we can simulate different climates and different geographies. And, and nowadays, the simulations are real. We're talking about real geospatial coordinates with real, you know, wind and temperature and, 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 and climate and so on. We're heading into 2023 and you've described some amazing things. Where do you see the next... Uh, major breakthrough in AI? Is it in this kind of metaverse side of things? Is it, the, is it uh, language processing, data management, data processing? AI, there are three uh, areas that I think uh, come to mind immediately. Um, so, the, so the first thing is uh, large language models. Um, today, the, you know, the language models have become so good, you know, and we have language models which are like 500 billion parameters uh, are, are trained with the language model. So it does it better than a human being. And so what's happening now is you can use these language models as a foundation to create a company-specific, a domain-specific, or a process-specific language model to do customer service, for example. And, and, you know, this language model will, imagine you were a bank, it knows the language of the bank, the products of your bank, and so on. For example, at the UF, UF Health System, we've, we've trained our, our big model, which we call Nemo LLC, and we've, we've made a bio version of it called BioNemo, and we worked with the University of Florida Health System to understand electronic health records. So, so now when the doctor speaks into, you know, does their notes, or when the doctor is reading the notes, the machine helps the doctor to identify patterns from previous discussions with doctors or to, to provide new um, health records, you know, when you're putting in the, the details of the most recent visit, it can add and annotate and enhance the work that the doctor is doing. And this, you know, this is going to be prevalent everywhere. Uh, you know, you can think about so many different languages itself and so many different domains and so many different types of processes. So I think that's going to be huge. Large language models becoming production. Second, generative AI. So generative AI is where the computer produces the data. And so I already talked about synthetic data generation and that, you know, right now uh, there's a lot of excitement in the, in the Twitter sphere and in the consumer area because, you know, um, OpenAI's GPT has now been opened up and people are saying, wow, the computer is writing these amazing essays just with a few prompts. Isn't that incredible? Or the computer is creating these new images just by saying, you know, do me something in this, of this style. And, and uh, the, the, the thing which is interesting in all of that is what's the use going to be in businesses? 
And so um, let me give you examples. For example, the same technology which we've had for quite a while, uh, we're, you know, we're working with a number of people who are clinicians, and they are using it to enhance uh, their understanding of medical images and create better models in a federated, HIPAA-compliant, completely privacy environment so that you can better understand you know, cancers and, and, and you know, just with a, uh, a simple biopsy, you get a lot more insight than you could get before because the machine is now better at doing it. So that, you know, these are sort of, you know, I, I think that generative AI is, is going to be, you know, the, I don't know in your industry, uh, Chad, you know, like whether they're going to write the scripts for you or what, you know, or, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And then the third one, which is uh, a really interesting one, is the use of recommender systems. So today, you know, the best consumer internet companies have amazing recommender systems, which allow you to go from, you know, millions, hundreds of millions of items in a product catalog into the 10 best things that you should buy right now based on, you know, whatever data they have about you. And, and, and that's, that's an example of a recommender system. Now, this technology is becoming democratized. And so all of the e-commerce providers and all of the retailers now will have access to these very high performance, very, very good recommender system that will give people the ability to, to do the next best action. And notice we're in a, a new world where supply chain and logistics is also pretty important. So the, the, the same recommender system can recommend supply routes and, and sources of supply and logistics to you know, do a better job. So I think recommender systems are gonna have an incredible impact in 2023. See, because we had such a disruption and such a pattern change, not just, not just in supply chain, but in, also in language models, we speak differently now than we did before the COVID pandemic. We order and behave differently. Uh, the supply chain models that predated that didn't really work. Um, and that, we, we went through some chaos, but l let me just ask you, do you are we going to have better models coming out the backside of this now that we've had this reset? I believe so. I mean, I think that the forecasting models have become so much better as a result of, um, you know, the, the situations that we've had in the pandemic. Uh, people are paying a lot more attention to uh, diversity and um, resilience of the supply chain. And in fact, an AI can actually help you assess that risk and, and work through all the different scenarios so that, you know, uh, you as a decision maker um, have way better insight before you make certain decisions on your supply chain. Very fascinating. Very fascinating. Thanks, Shankar. AI, AI is not new. It's, uh, it's just newly accessible, newly democratized, I guess I would say. Um, what industry, I think, let's bring it back to business. Uh, what industry stands the most to gain from AI? And I'll give you some parameters in the next uh, year or two. So manufacturing automation, the value for quality control on a recall, for example, is just giant. Um, if you reduce your, your type 1 errors, you know, um, by 50%, the cost of doing, you know, uh, the recall, the warranty replacements, just giant. And we're talking about assets. Yeah, we're talking about assets that have really ascribable value right now. You can put a dollar figure on this immediately. Very fascinating. What industry right now is doing the best with AI? I think healthcare is doing amazing work with AI. You know, um, we could not get to the vaccinations without the kind of computing that's being provided. 
the healthcare industry has changed from a wet lab um, uh, kind of environment into using computers to do the simulation. That's really something. That's really something. So um, you have a business leader who wants to understand AI. They're new to it completely. Where, where do you recommend she or he start? So t three things in NVIDIA. One, read all of our blog posts. Number two, we get these incredible uh, training classes. We call them DLI. They're all free, basically off the web or a nominal charge. And and uh, number three, we have this um, um, NVIDIA Launchpad. So if you actually have a project, you can just you know click on NVIDIA.com and and uh, we will make a launch. We will provide you a curated lab for your project for up to three weeks. NVIDIA Launch. It's incredible. NVIDIA Launchpad. We'll check it out. Thank you, Shankar Trivedi, very much for your insights today. This podcast is part of our collaboration with MIT Tech Review in partnership with Emphasis Cobalt. Visit our content hub on technologyreview.com to learn more about how businesses across the globe are moving from cloud chaos to cloud clarity. Be sure to follow Ahead in the Cloud wherever you get your podcasts. You can find more details in our show notes and transcripts at emphasis.com slash IKI. It's in our podcast section. Thanks to our producers, Catherine Burdett, Christine Calhoun, and Yulia Dabari. Dode Bigley is our audio technician. I'm Chad Watt with the Emphasis Knowledge Institute. Until next time, keep learning and keep sharing. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, sir.